Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Miller and Condon on a football Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours talking, for the most part, football, although a little basketball to sprinkle in. That was a tough watch last night. Uh, certainly not the uh, Hawks had their way with Western Illinois, as you would expect that they would, and they did. We'll do that for a few minutes. Major changes media-wise in the Windy City for are you Cubs and White Sox fans out there. We'll touch on that briefly. But a lot of football coming up on the program. We will preview three of the regional teams here this morning uh, in the first hour. Jeff Hughes from DeBear's blog starts things off in about 15 minutes. Where do the Bears go realistically? What is left for the Bears? Uh, in 2020, uh, do they have a chance at all? Schedules, well, certainly conducive to a lot of wins. Uh, TheHeadCheese.com, Dave Sinek and his Packers are going to the playoffs. We'll talk about the uh, NFC North division leader at about uh, a couple of minutes after, probably 10.22 or thereabouts. Uh, Tom Kakert's here on the Hawkeyes. We'll recap Western Illinois and Iowa briefly with Tom, but then our turn our focus to Illinois and Iowa, 2.30 tomorrow. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is just first hour. He'll join us at 10 minutes before 11. Preview Sunday night football on NBC. Boy, I'm grateful there's a college game that when it gets out of hand, you can turn over and watch a little Pac-12 on Sunday night because my boys are going to get beaten, beat bad. <laughs> Bama Bob joins us to kick off the 11 o'clock hour. Dave Sproul, likewise, on Iowa State. Claxons will give four of our listeners an opportunity to win some unbelievable barbecue from our friends at Claxons. And then our picks all in the next two hours. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, ready for the weekend and a weekend where betting wise, I have uh, looking at the slate, usually 12 to 15 games, kind of my initial list. I couldn't get close to that. Finally got there by the end of the week, but it's funny how that works, right? This has been completely different the week going through it. And maybe a part of it is also college basketball starting. You know how much uh-huh. I like handicapping that. And that's taken some of the attention away from me. But this is a little more difficult week and I got to catch up because. I had two games that were crossed off when we did our picks on Wednesday of last week, of course, before Thanksgiving. So I got seven games I got to pick this week and don't exactly love the slate. It's funny because the last four weeks I've been in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Now this week I'm it's completely roll reverse. I got too many games. Too many. I like a ton of college football games. I look at my theory has been the last couple of weeks, I think it's a beauty contest. Mm-hmm. I think Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama and A and M and dot dot dot, those teams that are in contention, if they have an opportunity to score, they're going to and they're not going to let up. Anyways, uh that'll come up to end the program. You know, let's start we're going to do a lot, obviously. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Hawkeye hoops. I, I, tr- I struggled to watch the game. It just wasn't entertaining. It just wasn't entertaining, yeah. Trent. I mean, Garza's is getting his at will. Um, it was nice to see Wieskamp. Look, the story of last night was clearly Jack Nungy mm-hmm. and his return to the floor and then the press conference afterwards. And boy, oh boy, it took a lot of courage for the uh, the young man to... Uh, get in front of the media, granted, uh, via Zoom in a lot of cases, but um, just to be to, to go out there and, and put himself out there the way that he did, uh, good for him. 
Good for him. Uh, it was great that he was able to get back on the floor amongst his team and maybe get away with what he's going through in his life. And if you didn't know, uh, his father passed away suddenly, and he's a young guy. 53. Just, just boom. Yeah. As far as we know, and as far as you know, everything story I've read, completely healthy, and just boom. Um uh, overnight, a couple of weeks ago. Anyways, good to see him back on the floor. I want to start with the changes in Chicago, Trent, because mm-hmm. this is uh, this reverberates a little bit. Look, we're not Chicago, but we're kind of in a lot of ways, right? I mean, the the the, the Bears, the Cubs, uh, the Bulls when they were good. If there was a hockey team here, a regional hockey team that I think more people liked prior to the Wild making their impact, it was the Blackhawks. Um, but Len Casper and JD, Jim Deshays are, were a really good broadcast team and were together for a lot of years. But out of the blue, Len Casper's going back to his, his love and his love is radio. And he had an opportunity. And I don't know if this was a reflection of Marquis. I know you're not going to buy what I'm about to sell, mm-hmm. but I think there's something to being pissed off about wearing that shirt and tie oh, when it's 110 <laughs> degrees. Come on, Ken. And it's uh, humid as hell in the city of Chicago, and you're making me wear a coat and a tie for crying out loud. It's baseball. Now he gets to do radio, and he can wear a polo shirt, and he's going to be happy. But he's, radio is his love. And now Jason Benetti on TV, uh-huh. which is, a, which is a, that's a terrific watch, him and Stoney. Um and now Len Casper leading up the radio broadcast team, and I guess Benetti and Casper are going to collaborate on a lot of White Sox content. Okay. That was announced this morning, so if you're a podcaster or whatever else is next out there, this is a big get for the White Sox, and it's a blow to the Cubs. And they're bringing in a guy, Chris Myers, in... Look, he left ESPN. By the way, um, if you want to see with Keith Olbermann, I'm not going to read it. Keith Olbermann... He's not my cup of tea. He's, mm-hmm. he's not a lot of people's cup of tea. He ripped him on yes, Twitter this morning. Just I saw that last night. Him. Yeah. Oh, it came from last night. Yeah. I didn't see it till this morning. But said the my. worst person. He had, yes. of course, his bit. The worst person today. He said it was the worst person that he's worked with in sports. Right. When they were together at ESPN. So Chris Myers has been all over the place. He's, he mentioned ESPN. He's my age. He. Uh, I remember when he had an afternoon show on Fox Sports National Radio. I think that preceded my old show back okay. in the day in Cedar Falls. Right. And uh, so I've heard a lot of that, obviously, getting ready for the show and coming in every day. And not my cup of tea. Right. What's his catchphrase? He's got a catchphrase. Oh, he's got a few of them. Yeah. But there's one of them, not yes, cool, like I, the other side of the pillow. That, that wasn't right. it. But he's got one. I can't think of what it is, yeah. but I, when I hear it, oh, yeah, that one. Right. Didn't think he was a great radio host. I don't like him as a play-by-play guy. I'm shocked at the hire. But when he filled in two weeks ago as the studio host, Fox with Menifee was out. Yep, yep. He was really good, I thought, in that role. Mm -hmm. This is a guy for basically 20 years I haven't enjoyed his work. And then I said, well. So I was at least willing to to give the guy a chance, and I thought he did a really good job at that. For this, for 162 games... Yikes! Change is difficult. I get it, it is. but this is going to be this can be tough shoes to fill. This is tough shoes to fill. It was a really good crew, and and initially, you know, Len Casper got that job. It big shoes in its own right, mm-hmm. going from the Carey family and mm-hmm. just what a part of it right. was. Brenneman was a part of that, but you're right, uh, Chip Carey and obviously Harry. Right, and the evolution going from that very difficult spot to be in. Initially, it was change. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like it, but after time, it really warned you, and that, I think that's listen, in general. Trent. That happens. Listen. That group together, Deshays, and just two really different kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Now, I can understand Len Casper. Listening to him broadcast a game on television, he's a talker. Yep. And 
You don't have to be to be a TV announcer. No, because the, you've got pictures. Right. And radio, I think this is perfect for Paint him. Paint the picture. Yes. And he can extend what he already says a lot more. He can tell more stories. He can be even a little bit more off the wall on radio than I think that he can yeah. on television. A little bit more buttoned up there. For him, completely understand it. But, boy, how often do we see TV guys go yeah. to radio? I think you'll be happier, Trent. I do. Yeah. It's it's not the marquee network. It's ESPN 1000. Um, no shirt and tie. <laughs> uh, now, are the White Sox in the market? I don't think they are, no, right? I don't no. think. They, I mean, baseball on the radio, there's only. Are, are the Twins still on? I mean, they uh, were, yeah. Hit and miss. Uh, obviously, the Cubs are still on here. I don't think the White Sox are on in the market. So we won't. Get I just to don't hear think him. he can sell it. I, I know here we got Sean Demery, which maybe ta- yeah. taints the picture. But you know, for years I did a twin show, uh, the Dial. Yeah. And one day I just wondering White Sox out there, and you get a smattering, but it's just of the regional teams. Yeah, but I think it's going to change because their arrows point. No, I don't think they're going to cut in. No, let me let me tap the brakes. Yeah. They're not going to surpass the Cardinals or the Twins or clearly the Cubs. But I think more because the team's about to get good. Yeah. I mean, but, I think, but who's jumping on the White well, Sox bandwagon? Yeah, you're not good for Tony Larusa, and you're not for no. Len Casper, right? But you are maybe for the team. Um, Still, you're a baseball fan. You're not going to yeah, change yeah. allegiance. I'm not giving up the Blue Jays. You're not giving up the Twins right. because Len Casper's doing play by play, right? Yeah, and you're not going to see a whole lot of that. Now, are, are a few of those fans that have been in the shadows for a while going to start to come out of the woodwork? Sure, that'll mm-hmm. happen. People, you know, it's been hard to watch baseball since 2005 with the White Sox. Yeah. It's been. Not a whole lot of success there, mm-hmm. and they start to come out. Sure, but it's not all of a sudden that the White Sox are going to be number two in the Des Moines market behind the Cubs. Right. That's not going to happen. No, absolutely it's not. It's still going to be the Cardinals. It's still going to be the Twins. No. It's still going to be the Royals. I think all of them pretty clearly in front of the White Sox. And I still argue, statewide, I would guess that the Brewers even have a bigger Than the White Sox. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, because you go up to Northeast Iowa... And yeah, true. Milwaukee sure. is just a hop, skip, and a jump. Right. You get all the Wisconsin transplants, which mm-hmm. I would guess is a lot higher. Even though Illinois transplants probably bigger, most of them are Cubs fans. So you put that all together. It'll be a good team. They'll be fun to watch, but I don't think it's going to change a whole lot of White Sox fandom here in the market. Our friend Zubin Mahente just answered our catchphrase question. Ah, we kid. Because we care. There it is. Thank you, Zubin Mahente, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. I hope you had a good week on your radio program. We kid because we care. That's there it exactly is. That's exactly what it was. So anyways, uh, some news uh, coming out of the city of Chicago here today. Big, big changes. Uh, Chris Myers and JD, we'll see how that team works out on the Marquee Network. We know they'll be dressed well. You hate the jacket. I do. I, it's the most baffling to, thing. I had to wear one. I mean, of all things, right? Yeah. I was in a booth by myself on the fifth floor at Prairie Meadows, which is out of uh, the public's purview. You can't get up there. You got to wear a shirt and a tie to call a horse race. Uh-huh. Look the part. But dude, for who? Just the for mirror? yourself. Yes. <laughs> I guess. You dress well, you feel yeah, well. Do you? Okay. You announce well. All right. Uh, anyway. You see how I dress when I go to state tournaments? I do, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm actually impressed. And, and even Heinz and the newspaper guys, when they go to cover a game mm-hmm. now, and I think that's changed over the last little while. It is, yeah. Which I, mean, I think is a good thing. Yeah, I'm not saying wear sweatpants <laughs> and a, you know, a ratty shirt to go... But jeans and a, you know, and a polo, yeah, something like that. I, it was always, but now that's no longer the case. You got to be, you got to be looking your best. Uh, not for radio, though. We're grateful no, for no. that. Anyways, uh, last night, it, Trent, I thought it was a tough watch. It was um, 
a cat with a ball of yarn a lot of times. Mm-hmm. The Hawks did what they absolutely wanted to. Nunji was the story. Garza getting his seemingly at will. It was quite a story early in the basketball game when he missed back-to-back shots. <laughs> his numbers are just ridiculous. ESPN had, had a big uh, number of them last night. This one, though, I think is my favorite. I ran across this on our uh, favorite Hawkeye website, Halo, last evening. If Luca Garza only played the first half this season, he would still be the fifth leading scorer in the nation at 27.3 points. Something. Jesus. I mean, it's, just, yeah. it's nuts. Now, they played three awful teams. Yeah. There, there is no two ways about it. I These, wish somebody would do that for Spencer Petras if he only played quarterback for the first, first quarter, quarter of right. the game. Where would he be? I right? think Dr. Vitt had at least those numbers of what the first quarter he, would be. Scott had a really good breakdown. Yes. Yeah. By the way, speaking of the athletic, we had Max Olson on yesterday mm-hmm. who covers the Big 12. He teased at the end of our, his appearance that he's got a Big Brees Hall piece dropping today. Yeah. It dropped. It's a long read. It's a great read. If you're a fan of Iowa, if you're a fan of college football, if you don't, you know, bleed black and gold, um, if you're just a fan of sports in our state, it's a really good read. And uh, you learn a lot about the person Brees Hall is and the relationship with his mother. And uh, it, it's a, it was a really good read. So if you're um, a subscriber to The Athletic and you missed it, or if you're just, whatever reason, just haven't been able to pull that trigger, it's a good read. Max Olson teased it yesterday, and it's uh, out today. Speaking of uh, Brees Hall, we uh, on our television show, I put out the Heisman odds, the updated ones that I had found. Brees Hall, after last week, goes from 25-1 to 1 to win the Heisman to 66-1 to 1 yeah. now to win the Heisman. It's a frustrating part about this. Is it award. nine yards, Trent? Because if he would have cracked the hundo, right, would he yeah. still been there? He got ninety-one. Yeah. And now, let's say this: they go out West Virginia this weekend. Breesall has two hundred yards and three touchdowns Oof. against that defense. Yep. And then against Oklahoma to win the Big Twelve championship, he has one hundred and forty yards, two touchdowns, and they win the game. He's invited at the very least, right? Well, yeah, I mean, this year's going to be different because they're not going to be there. Yeah. But I get your point. Yes, yes. he gets He's an a, invite. Yes, yes. He'll be one of the boxes on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Any chance? Of winning or of getting of, that spot? Yeah, of winning it. Well, this next two weeks, clearly, and to your point, they're very important. Kyle but, Trask, yeah. he's putting up num- nice numbers. Jones at Alabama. Lawrence is going to get. Him. I know. And Lawrence is going to get one of those spots as well. Wilson maybe at BYU. Um there's a, there was a piece from, it's called Desert News. I guess it's a Utah publication. If BYU and Coastal Carolina wouldn't have happened, mm-hmm. I guess Cincinnati and BYU was on the cusp oh, was of it? coming together. Still play it. Because there's still one more opportunity, right, right, for these two schools to get together? Before the 19th when the American Athletic so, Championship So next week, BYU is off as well? Yes, I believe so. Because because um, Cincy and Tulsa still have to play. They do. And yeah. then they're going to probably play again. They're listed Cincinnati and Tulsa landing next week. Okay. So it maybe had something to do with that, where they'd be changing that around, or the American Athletic to Conference. To avoid a back-to-back. They're already playing in the championship game. We're going to take that game away, so the both teams have the open week. And they could have gone that route. I don't know. I hey, hey, just just go ahead. Well, one final thing. Uh, our audio cut of the day from yes, Urology Center of Iowa. Notes. Let's hear a little Luca Garza last night as he outscores Western Illinois in the first half. couple of highlights as Luca goes off once again. Changed the way they've coached, that's for sure. But, uh, no more lip reader. Luca Garza straight away three. He's got 15. 
For as much as we've talked about Garz and everybody else, just 30% from the floor in this first half for Iowa. Garza goes back up with it. Inside Garza. Gonna be really interesting. A lot of those inside Garza. A lot of those highlights from Garza. Uh, that was the cut of the day. Real quick, I wanted to say I watched last night uh, the Mean Green. Chris Hassel had the call on CBS Sports Network. That was the early game before Utah State and Air Force. Hassel is so good. Chris Hassel is so good at what he does. Um, he's uh, The play-by-play last night, I thought it was first rate. This was the first game I believe I've heard Hassel do this year. God, he's a pro, Trent. Chris Hassel is He can really, do a lot of he things. He can too. do a lot of things. Absolutely. Jeff Hughes joins the program as we do our uh, quick look around the uh, regional teams. We'll do the Bears right now, the Packers coming up, Mitch Holtis uh, on the Chiefs just before 11 o'clock. Jeff Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on, Jeff Hughes. How are you? You know, I'm doing all right, guys. Good. So you're over the uh, the, the last game Sunday night to, to end Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but the hope factor's got to be way down from where it was, right? You look at this team, you realize that, boy, just two, what started out so well, a team that was, what, 5-1 and one at one point, and the losses continued to mount up. Uh, I don't think that they can pull themselves out of this tailspin. No, and and it's it's not even about the hope factor. When you don't play offense at a professional level in this NFL, where do you think you're going? Even if you were, even if they sneak their way into the seven seed, or if there ends up being an eight seed, do you honestly see any scenario where this offense can beat two or three good teams in a row? And what happened Sunday night was inevitable. Eventually, the defense was going to have an off game where they just couldn't stop anybody. And we know the offense is incapable of playing in a game like that. So that's what happened Sunday night. And I think what has woken people up is just the idea that the modern NFL is about scoring points, period, end of sentence. Get weapons, get speed, score points. And this organization is not built to do that. Jeff, I saw last week Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM and now part of the media, has written a book. He's uh, on podcasts and radio shows all across the country. And he was on a 670 The Score in Chicago. He mentioned Ryan Pace, the general manager of the Bears, and the relationship he has with Ted Phillips and the McCaskey family, the ownership group of the Bears. And it was his belief that he's fine, that he's going to be back. I think the argument is a pretty solid one, that taking Mitchell Trubisky, moving up a spot to get him, when you had Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and what we've seen there is a fireable offense. But here we are years later. Do you have a belief that Ryan Pace is, because of his connection and the affinity of the family, that he's going to survive this thing? I, I do not. And I'll, let me tell you a few things. Uh, Lombardi said that before Sunday night, mm-hmm. before the Green Bay yep. Packers game. The McCaskey family takes the, the Packers games very personally. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, point of fact, George McCaskey was irate. And there are people in that building who now believe Ted Phillips will no longer be in the football operations wow. business at the wow. end of this year. Uh, there, there are fears in that building that have not existed in decades. But let me ask you this about Ryan Pace. And he's done some great things with the scouting department, with the facilities. He's done a lot of good football ops things. But is there a single player on the Bears offense who is top five at their position in this league? You ask that question, the answer is 100% no. And if you can't build an offensive roster, he has not been here two years. This is, he has had six off seasons and he has not produced a single 
top-tier offensive player. That is inexcusable in this league. And, yes, he has built a good defense. They are a very good defense. They are capable of winning a championship with this defense. But that does not excuse what they are on offense, which is a joke in this league. It is. Uh, what was the, the offseason move that backfired the most, in your opinion? I, I would say if they had the money to spend, and they spent it on Robert Quinn, yeah. they spent a fortune. Right. You take that money and you spread it across the offense, mm-hmm. that's two or three pieces that could have made this better. But, guys, I sometimes think we miss the forest for the trees. This is all about Mitch Trubisky. When you whiff on the second pick overall, and that pick is a quarterback, yeah. you don't survive. Look at the history of this league. GMs and coaches do not survive whiffing on top five quarterbacks. It sets your roster, it sets your franchise mm-hmm. back five years from the second you do that, and five years is coming up. Lions this week. Jeff, uh, new coach. New coach, Patricia out of there. And Mitchell Trubisky, he's been the lion killer. This has been the game that he's actually played well during his career. Bears bounce back. There's still only a game back of a playoff berth, and the schedule isn't overly daunting here. Do you anticipate, though, we're going to get, at the very least, a much better effort than Sunday night? Uh, I do. I mean, what you just said, Mitch Trubisky's career quarterback rating is 85.5, which is objectively terrible. It's 105.5 against the Lions. He turns into <laughs> a different player against that franchise. I actually think the Bears are going to win this game. I don't think this is a bad Bears team. I think this is a bad Bears offense. But I don't think this is a bad Bears team. Now, I'll say this. I'd watch to see the energy levels from the Lions because if you've been following on Twitter, Matt Patricia was not a popular character there, and everybody who's played for him in the last five years has trashed him on Twitter. I do wonder if you will see a new energy from the Lions under Daryl Bevel, and I think if they come out with, a, with big energy, I'm not sure the Bears will match that, but I think the Bears are the better team here. I, I think they're going to win. Quite frankly, guys, I would be surprised they won next week and got to 7-6 and yep. six and put themselves back into conversation. The schedule has broken pretty well for them here. Uh, they're not going anywhere this year, but they're going to be competing for that for that seventh spot. I couldn't agree with you more. Lions, uh, Houston at home, then at Vikings, at Jacksonville, and they've packed it in before the Packers uh, pay a visit to end the season. Is four the number? I mean, we've only got like 15 seconds left. Don't you have to win four to get to nine wins? I, I think they've got to win. I think they've got to get the nine wins or they're going to be a house cleaning in Chicago. But yeah. even more, they've got to get this thing into the playoffs. The NFC is not deep. There is no excuse for not getting into the playoffs. Jeff Hughes, TheBearsBlog.com. Jeff, thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. All right, let's go from one team who's trying to claw their way into the playoffs to one team that's clearly uh, into the playoffs. And they may be the best team in the NFC. There's people that would make that case. The quarterback turned 37 years old, but is showing no signs of slowing down. Dave Sinigan, TheHeadCheese.com. He joins the program. Dave Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm great. Good morning, guys. It's a day closer to NFL football, so that's a good thing. Indeed it is. And the better thing, maybe, is the Eagles on a short week pay a visit. And you've seen this team just crash and burn from what they were to where they're at now. Uh, what a an abrupt, an abrupt collapse that this team is going through. Head coach, seemingly every play that he called was the right playback during their run. Carson Wentz, who was leading that team to an MVP-type season. Of course, he gets hurt. Nick Foles, who can't, uh, it looks like he can't play now. He he certainly looked good in an Eagles uniform. The injuries are mounting up. The skill position guys in Philadelphia not good. You hate to say that it's going to be a laugher, but boy, it sure looks like it could be, Dave. <laughs> well, I'll never go there because, for, well, for a few reasons. I was at Lambeau 
last season in prime time when the Eagles beat the Packers 34-27. And I know that they're a much different team this year. Their offensive line is just in shatters, and so is uh, Wentz's confidence. But I don't know. You know, they their strength is the Packers' strength. Their D-line against the Packers' offensive line, and that's going to be a fun matchup, especially Fletcher Cox, who's missed practice this week with a neck injury, but Doug Peterson said it's precautionary. He's expected to be out there. He's liable to line up opposite rookie John Runyon from Michigan, mm-hmm. making his first start at left guard with, with Corey Lindsley out with the back injury and Jenkins moving over to center. So you might get the rookie facing Fletcher Cox while the Packers' offensive line is the dominant. That's a tough matchup, so that's going to be a fun one to watch. But but the Eagles' offense, you know, what's interesting is shattered and, and short week and all that stuff. Uh, they do get Zach Ertz back. And last year oh. in that game at, at Lambeau, they really battered Green Bay by running the football with those two tight ends on the field, Goddard and Ertz, and, and just running the ball a lot. I think they ran for about 175 yards. And I expect on a short week with the offensive line issues, they're going to do their best to try to run the ball against Green Bay's weakness. That's that's run defense. So I, I'm not expecting a laugher. I expect Green Bay to take care of business. But as we talked about last week, it seems like in Lambeau Field, the Packers play up or down to the level of competition. And coming off a big rival win on uh, last Sunday, I, uh, I'm going to be a little wary till I see how my boys come out on Sunday. Just a dominating performance against the Bears. Did whatever they wanted to offensively and raced out to the easy victory. A rivalry game. And, and I want to get your perspective on this, Dave. You're in Minneapolis. You, of course, are surrounded by Vikings fans. You hang out with our buddy Paul Allen. and does a show on the Vikings radio affiliate for 25 years. You know, you have all of this, but you also grew up in Milwaukee. What to you? If you asked a majority of Packer fans, what is the big arrival? The Vikings, who've been more relevant probably off and on over the last 20, 25 years, or is it still the Bears? Yeah, it's probably a generational question. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're under 40, you probably say the Vikings, but if you're from the Milwaukee area, no matter what your age is, it's the Chicago Bears. I mean, you know, people in Chicago think of Milwaukee as this kind of nice northern suburb that, that uh, <laughs> you know, is, is not really a major league city. So we have this thing about Chicago teams, and, and I grew up, you know, despising the Bears. That's what my family taught me. Uh, you know, growing up in the 70s, the Vikings were always the good team in the division, and my dad was from St. Paul, so I was happy to cheer for the Vikings once the Packers were dead and buried. So for me, it'll always be the Chicago Bears. But up here with a lot of Wisconsin people that, you know, moved over across the border from the western part of Wisconsin, there's, you know, plenty of people that'll tell you the Vikings are their most hated rival. But globally, it's not close. It's the Bears is the oldest rivalry. It goes back 100 years. Uh, to me, it's not even close. It's a great rivalry, no doubt about that, and we'll see that to end the season. So that's kind of where I want to go, and we're getting ahead of myself here, Dave, a little bit. But, you know, eight wins right now. The uh, the Saints have the one seed in the NFC. They're at nine. Uh, and the longer Taysom Hill has to, to start, uh, the least likely of them staying up there, I think, anyways. I watched him last week. He can't throw the football. Uh, but they'll get Drew Brees back at some point. But to the Packers, Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Titans, and Bears, clearly the Titans game is going to be difficult but let's say you win four games and you do get the 12 and four is that good enough do you think in the nfc for the one seed i think it could be green bay has the tiebreaker over the saints because they beat them early in new orleans so if they're at the same record they're both 12 and four green bay gets gets that one seed so yeah if you could tell me right now you you know you're going to go four and one and finish 12 and four uh, i think we take that in a heartbeat Uh i mean there are potential hiccups still have to go to detroit and chicago and i know that 
That doesn't sound horrible, but for those teams, that's going to be their Super Bowl mm-hmm. uh, the last few weeks of the season there. And, and so I take nothing for granted. Even the Panthers now in prime time, you know, you get McCaffrey back. The Green Bay doesn't stop the run very well. They were pretty plucky against the Vikings at U.S. Bank last week. So uh, I'm going to pretty much just go week to week, not get too far ahead. I think 12-4 and four is definitely doable. That's higher than I expected heading into the season. I thought this would be a, a 10 or 11 win team. You guys know it comes down to who's healthy, right, yep. uh, as the end of the year goes around. Green Bay did add an interesting piece this weekend, uh, Tavon Austin, who uh, was with LaFleur with the Rams a few years ago. We all know top 10 pick, kind of a flame out, had the speed. He's 29. He's been hurt. But Green Bay's been missing Tyler Irvin from their offense the last few weeks, the return guy, the gadget guy, the guy that runs the sweeps, and he's doing all that motion to keep the defense kind of off balance. Missing that piece has been, I think, granted, Green Bay scoring a lot of points and moving the football, but they've missed that. And Austin gives them some insurance there and, and a guy that's been productive in, in parts. So I'm anxious to see how they incorporate him into the offense. It almost has that feel like that Andre Risen at back in 96 when the Packers were losing some receivers. They added the journeyman, former great receiver in Risen, and he helped carry them to the Super Bowl that year. So, just little things happening with the roster we're keeping our eye on. They added a defensive lineman off waivers, Anthony Rush from the Bears. They're, they're trying to tweak things a little bit to put themselves in position. Number 12 stays healthy and doesn't get hit like he did last week. Uh, I think Reed Bay should be in pretty good shape. And we were both at that Super Bowl with Andre Risen. Were we not 31 in New Orleans? I was there for sure. I was too. It was unbelievable. My first one, I'll never forget it. Just the feeling of walking into a building and you're at the freaking Super Bowl. Dave Sinekin, yeah, that was go ahead. I was just going to say that was the first year of my Packers show in the Twin Cities. What? So That's sure. Amazing. And uh, to season one, and I actually got to meet Ray Nitschke, my my hero after the game. Wow. That was a night I will never forget. Yeah, my first year doing sports talk in, in Des Moines. Uh, we've been on right. the air a long time, Dave Sinek. It means we're old. Good to talk to you. Have a wonderful <laughs> week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Dave. You got it, guys. Have a good week. Yeah, you're the same. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. He does his show Sunday mornings for you Packer fans. Of course, the simulcast, simulcast, the podcast uh, is up very quickly afterwards. He does it on the flagship of the Vikings, KFAN. He's been on the radio there 25 years, as you just heard. Tom Caker will be on the radio with us next. We'll talk about last night's game, preview Illinois and Iowa. Uh, As we take you until noon, still to come this hour, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, there in Sunday night football. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.0. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. All 15 minutes, thereabouts, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitch Holtus, will join us. Preview Sunday night football. Haven't talked to Mitch since uh, the week before Thanksgiving. Tom Caker joins the program. Recap last night. Look ahead to Illinois and to Iowa. Both teams have this in common. They're both coming off their last game was against the Fighting Illini. Uh, they ran up and down the field in Lincoln against Nebraska. Iowa struggled to run the football, as we recall, at least in the first half. Which surprise? Didn't that surprise you? 
that they yes. weren't able to do what. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be like Illinois, just because of they tighten up a little. Yeah, bit. the scheme yeah. was, and I'd been so I'd been very impressed by the Nebraska front seven until that game. I figured they would bounce back and play better, and they did. Yeah. Now it is those Illini that crushed Nebraska, where Iowa struggled. Tom Caker lives on the river. Tom, thanks for joining in, us in a car in a van. Well. No, he's got a nice house okay, there. Yeah, right. yeah, he's he's got a nice house over there. He's got a pool for crying out loud. Nice. The Rivals Network uh, doing good stuff over there. Tom, thanks for joining us. How, how's the buzz and the build up in the Quad Cities for Iowa Illinois this week? You know, I I don't think there's much buzz at all because <laughs> there's it's hard to find an Illinois football fan. Yeah, they just don't they don't exist. It's you know, it's really strange. You just you know. Uh, Illinois football fans don't exist. So um, I think most most people, uh, Illini fans, are talking about the basketball team. Yeah, and they probably weren't talking about it quite as glowingly after a Baylor did what they did to him the other night. But it's it, look at it; they're they're a good team, no doubt. So, Tom, uh, let, let's do football. I do want to spend a couple of minutes on what we saw last sure. night, and then kind of preview the week ahead, which is going to be, um, you know, uh, the competition obviously ratchets up a little bit. But what do you think we're going to see two uh, thirty tomorrow afternoon as the Hawks roll in um, and to take on? The fighting Illini. Uh, what what do you expect we're going to see? Is it, it's not going to be a rout, I don't think. But I believe Iowa will convincingly win the game, don't you? Well, I I, I think they should. Um, it's interesting because the last two trips to Champaign, Iowa has won ninety one to nothing in uh, total. I mean, and that's just stunning when you think about it. Just two games and you, you've beaten by ninety one points, but. Um, that's the reality uh, for the Illini. But this is a, pe- a better team. They're, I think they're better with Peters at quarterback because yeah. he can throw it a little bit, but they're they're still not throwing it very much. I mean, they've just relied on the the, the run game. Um, I think they're using Williams a little bit. I think mm-hmm. we'll see him a little bit uh, at quarterback, too, in kind of running situations. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. It will. Uh, I think this is a... Uh... Going to prove to certainly be a lot more difficult matchup than the last two trips over to Champaign. Iowa, the question continues to be asked about Spencer Petras and yep. the development of him early on in games. He's been pretty good. Last week against Nebraska, he was good in the first quarter. Maybe it's the scripted plays. I'm not sure exactly the reasoning for it, but then something happens and the interception was about as egregious as you're going to find. Where are you with Petras and, and going forward? I mentioned... Quincy Patterson, a kid from Virginia Tech, is a Chicago kid. He's in the transfer portal. Do you see anything at all, either junior college or grad transfer market, that I will get involved in? How open will the competition be come spring? That's a good question, and I don't think we'll really know until the season's over. Um, kind of what they, I would expect that they're going to have an open competition, but I think part of it's going to also depend on how Spencer Petrus um, finishes up the last three games, maybe four games yeah. if they end up, you know, playing in a bowl game. Um, if the, if they, if he kind of writes the ship and starts playing better, then you feel comfortable with him moving forward. If it's like it's been for the first, you know, six games of the year, then you're kind of like, yeah, I think we might want to look at some options here. Uh, grad transfers, um, portal, because uh, everybody's going to get a free shot. And then um, you know, also what you've got on campus, uh, you know, are, 
Alex Padilla and Deuce Hogan going to be able to, um, you know, can they challenge for the starting job by spring? And if, if you, if you can do that, then great. But here's the other thing. If you bring in a grad transfer, then you're going to see guys leave too. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Well, guys won't play. Yep. So it's just, that's just going to be the nature of the beast in, in college athletics from here on out because guys can leave yep. and not have to sit anymore. Get that free pass. So, Tom, I want to pick up on something you said, talking about bowl games. Um, obviously, this Sunday would normally be the Sunday we find out where yeah. everybody's going bowling this year. Uh, but that's not the case until the 20th of December. So what have you heard? Is there have, Has anybody spoken to BARDA about the likelihood of um, some of them are canceled, as we know. There's a whole lot fewer. Iowa, if there is an opportunity, they're going to get invited to one. Uh, but what's the likelihood that we'll see this? Or is it still a week-to-week proposition because we just don't know where we'll be pandemic-wise and whether these bulls, other than the New Year Six and the big ones, will want to be, will want to be played? Yeah, and that's the big thing because we don't know. Uh, we've already seen the what the 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 bowl out in uh, the Bay Area that the Big Ten plays in is done, the Quick Lane or whatever, the yeah. Detroit Bowl's done, um, uh, Pinstripe not being played this yeah. year. So you've got like three potential Big Ten Bowls that are off the table now. So you got the, the, the Mayonnaise Bowl in, in uh, uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. you got um, Nashville, uh, Orlando, Tampa, um, Rose Bowl. I, it, the, 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 they've got also Big Ten's going back to Phoenix this year for the whatever it is now bowl. I, I one that's played at Chase Field. So um, there's some options there. I just don't know how many of these games are actually going to be played. I think ESPN wants to play them because ESPN mm-hmm. owns most of those and it's TV inventory, and they get a good rating for all these bowl games. So they're going to want to play it. So I would guess they're still going to be played. Iowa Illinois on the gridiron two thirty kickoff tomorrow. Iowa gets ready for a big week, week and a half for basketball. It starts on Tuesday. North Carolina comes to town. Carolina, very down a season ago. Watching them this season, much improved. Garrison's a problem. Leaky Black can make some plays there. Obviously a big step up for the Hawks. Your thoughts on that matchup? Let's just start with that one. The Iowa State game next Friday. It's fun for us here in Central Iowa, but on paper we know how that's going to go out. Just give us a thought on the Carolina game. Yeah, Carolina watched them a little bit when they were playing uh, in Maui via Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, watched uh, parts of all three of their games, and um, definitely uh, an athletic bunch. They've got size with uh, Baycott and uh, Brooks and and Walker Kessler, the the freshman who's going to be really good eventually. Um, they've they've got a big front line. Uh, of guys that uh, and Garza has not faced that so far this year uh, in terms of skill and size, uh, so he's going to have to contend with the with those folks down in the post. The thing North Carolina doesn't do very well is shoot the ball. They're just they, they haven't shot it real well. Um, Davis is really probably the only guy that consistently gets shot. Maybe uh, um, uh, what's his name, Playcott or something like that. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. The, the shooting guard that comes off the bench. He can stroke it a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I think Iowa can get by North Carolina, Iowa State. Um, but I like that they're going to be stepping up in class because, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've routed three teams so far. So we got to see how good this team can really be. 
It was boring, Tom, watching that game last night. It really was. Last thing, we got like 30 seconds left. Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Nunji and Garza on the floor at times uh, at the same time. Boy, it was great to see Nunji back the press conference afterwards. I mean, I, it, it brought a tear to my eye at the very end there when he, he, he gutted it out uh, to get through it, um, and, and good for him for doing so. But as far as rotation-wise, Nunji and Garza, will we see those two on the floor maybe more than some of us thought that we would? I, I think we will um, Tuesday night for sure because Carolina has that size. I think it's going to depend on um, who they're playing. But Fran feels very comfortable playing those two together yeah. simply because both of them can step out and shoot threes. And we saw that last night. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, we'll talk to you Friday before Iowa State, Iowa at uh, Carver. Appreciate you coming on, Tom. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. We will take a break, and we will get back to the NFL. The reigning. Isn't that what we came up with, or you came up reigning, with? The yes. reigning, The reigning. Not defending, because you get to keep it. Right. Yeah, you get to keep the trophy. They're so you're reigning, the reigning champion. The reigning Super Bowl champ, Sunday night football. Drew Locke and the Broncos. Getting a big number. They're going to need them all. <laughs> we'll talk to Mitch Holtis next. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. The reigning Super Bowl champs. The Denver Broncos, Sunday Night Football on NBC. Mitch Holtis will be on the radio call. He joins us after a week off last week. We saw the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, a game that I thought Mitch Holtis was about to get out of hand uh, inside the red zone and uh, the turnover there that maybe prevented 20 nothing, 24 nothing, and a rug could have been on. Turned out to be a pretty good football game. How are you? Doing great. Um, and, yes, oh, Canada for Brother Miller. Um yeah, that turnover was, it was at the very least it's going to be twenty to nothing. Yep. You know, possibly twenty four to nothing, and the complexion of the game could have changed quickly. But it was a good sign for the Chiefs to play downhill for once on Monday night with Coach Reed. I said each one of these games is like a leg of the Tour de France. They paddling <laughs> uphill or downhill, and for the defense to get four consecutive stops on Tom Brady, three three and outs, let the Chiefs play. You know, it wasn't the scenario of the two Raider games or the uh, Panthers game or. Uh, two other games this year where the opposing team held the ball, went down, and got a touchdown. So the Chiefs were able to pedal downhill, and it really dictated the rest of the game, even though the Buccaneers rallied. See, get ready for Denver this week, and I'll take the Denver question. We'll leave Ken out of this one. But coming off the week that they had, with, with the quarterbacks out, you got a wide receiver that was on the practice squad. He jumps out. It was a disaster. But Drew Locke's healthy. He's, everything's okay there. Yep. How much more difficult does it make the preparation, if at all? Uh, none. Um, but i tell you one thing. It, it, I think it, last week helps Denver for this week. Now, you're going to say you sound like Matt Campbell or Kirk Ferns here. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but honestly, uh, the fact that they ran the ball so much and direct snaps to, to Lindsey and Gordon actually helped them wrap all those runs that you know, they're going to need for this game. They won't run it as much. But you have danger on offense. Basically, the defense hasn't quit. Ken needs to be proud of this team because, oh, my gosh, this team has hemorrhaged turnovers offensively. Hemorrhaged them. And the defense, usually when that happens, the water is too much and your basement floods. But that that defense now is held up. They're number four, the Broncos are, Trent, in the red zone. Mm -hmm. They held Kansas City, people forget this, to 0 for 8 
on third down conversions in the game in Denver on October 23rd. And the Chiefs, it looks like, well, they blew out the Broncos. They had 14 non-offensive points, a 104-yard kickoff return, and a 50-yard pick six. If that if the if the Broncos don't turn it over or even just minus one, this will be a game because that Bronco defense will keep them in it. Yeah, I've been very impressed defensively. Uh, you're 100 percent. You're spot on there. What I want to go where I want to go with you is the Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes inside the NFL. That soundbite. Uh, I mean. Uh, I guess, well, how did it play in, in, in Kansas City? Obviously, they're great now, but just to hear Tyreek Hill uh, go on record saying he thought his quarterback was garbage when he saw him for the first time, or I'm paraphrasing, but close enough. How did that play, Mitch? They're playing. That this locker room is as good as, um, you know, I'm not around them as much uh, because of COVID. I can't be. But this, this locker room, that was a play. And everybody nationally went, oh, my God, he thought he was trash. That was Ty playing Patrick. If, if you've looked at their Twitter sites, they all have Mike Pinnell's picture up there as their avatar. Tyreek Hill's avatar is, is Mike Pinnell. I mean, these guys are like a bunch of 10-year-olds, you know, snapping towels after P.E. class. And it's really refreshing to see it. Uh, so I think Tyreek was just messing with them. Now, what they're doing on the field, Tyreek has gone next level here on us. Because everybody knows he's fast. We've talked in these reports over the years about how he's learned how to run routes. He's incredibly strong. He could wrestle for Iowa, Iowa State because he's so incredibly strong for his weight. But now he's learning to get off press coverage. Tampa Bay played off. They zoomed by him, double move. They play press in that nanosecond that you have to win, that the great ones do, like a Larry Fitzgerald or Antonio Brown in the day or Heinz Ward, you just go down the line, Marvin Harrison. He's doing that now. It's the next part of Tyreek's game that has made him really uh, one of the top five elite receivers in the league this year. It's not just a fast-track guy. This is a fast guy that's turned into a receiver. Still a game back in the uh, loss column of the Steelers. They get the win mm-hmm. Wednesday, as odd as that sounds. Still a ton to play for here. And the importance uh, now with the seven uh, teams in each conference getting in, only one team with the bye Still a ton to play for. Normally there's an undefeated team here in second. Well, you just chalk it up. Not this season. Well, and 11's a big number here because the Steelers are already setting on 11. If the Chiefs win this game, they get to 11 and wait for the Steelers to play Monday against number 11, Alex Smith of the Washington that? football team. Yeah, And, Ken, look away. Uh-huh. It'd be the 11th straight time the Chiefs have beaten the Broncos. Ouch. That's a big deal. It ties the all-time series record for the Chiefs. Uh, actually, for both teams, and it goes back to 1964 to 1969. So, 11's your number, Trent, that needs to bounce around in your head, or if you're into digital technology, like one 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 one. But it's it's an enormous game for the Chiefs, huge. And the the warning signs are out. You better get ready to play because Denver will be ready to play. I'll, I'll give you this. I'll dovetail on that this way. The Chiefs were garbage in 2012. They were two and 14. I'm sorry, in 2008, they were 2-14. and 14. Guess who one of the two wins were against Trent? Mm. And 2009, <laughs> the Chiefs said, no, business winning in Denver. They won there. 2010, only two division wins. They beat Denver. So it's Denver and it's Kansas City, and Denver's capable of winning this game, and it would propel them, if nothing else, for the rest of the year and into 21 if they pull this off. This is a giant game for both teams. We're about to run out of an hour here, Mitch. Tell us about Papa John's. Mm-hmm. Uh, double cheeseburger, pizza, and papadilla. I'm going to say this. Matt Donaldson, I talked to him this week. Uh, these Sunday night games with the Chiefs, high demand. 
in Des Moines for Papa John's Pizza. So be ready. You might want to get your order in a little bit earlier. They want to serve you, serve you COVID-free, obviously. Uh, but Sunday night football is a big night for Papa John's in Des Moines. So get ready for Sunday night football. And uh, for Miller or me, order a pizza from Papa John's. Talk to you before the Miami game. Thank you, Mitch Holters. Appreciate it. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada, indeed. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Good to talk to you. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. To the college game. Bama, Trent, and I go around college football to start hour two next. 1460, 106.3 FM.